0: Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good. That's awesome. My name is Naomi, and I am the youth pastor here at Eastside City Church. Uh, great youth for presentation today. Amazing. <laughs> um, so, uh, we are continuing our series, Hearing from God. And as believers, God speaks to us and we listen. God can speak to us, and we have the ability to hear Him, right? And that is truth. And so, one of the most important things I think we need in a healthy relationship is communication. Communication. I value great communication. I especially love it when my devices can communicate with me clearly. You know what I mean? Let me give you some examples. When my microwave tells me that my food is done and it sings to me, I love that. I appreciate that. Or when my laundry machine does a little You know, and I'm like, wow, thank you. I appreciate good devices that communicate well because when I hear that sound, I know. Right? We can keep going. What about our fridge? At 2 a.m. when you open that door and your fridge goes beep, beep, go back to bed, you know? (laughs) So I appreciate good communication. When I hear that sound, I know. Smoke alarm? When the battery's gone bad and it's just this irritating sound, but... I heard it, so I know what it means. I gotta change those batteries, right? For the phone alarm, I have to be really vulnerable today. I'll be really clear and really honest. Um, I only wake up to one sound, one sound only. I sleep like a log, ask my family. I, the moment I hit, my, I hit my head in the pillow, gone. I only wake up to one sound, and it's in my iPhone, and it's this sound, and I just jolt out of bed, and that's the only thing that gets me up. And I kid you not, know where to fly. We um, we lived in Montreal. We lived in a high-rise building, right? And there was one night where there was a fire beneath us, and so the building had to be evacuated. And so there was like this alarm that came on, beep like really loud, really, really loud. My whole family got up, well, every single member except for myself. I did not wake up to the fire alarm. The only thing that wakes me up is the sound that I know, right? Eh, eh. And when I hear that sound, I'm like, it's time to get up. (laughs) It's a very brutal way to get up in the morning, but I get up. (laughs) Now, um, there is one sound that gives me anxiety. And it's the sound of toilets flushing when you're at a gathering. You know, Because then you're like, people just know that like stuff's been happening, and like my biggest pet, my biggest pet peeve is when you go to, into people's homes and their bathrooms are in the living room. Now. I think that's a, it's a North American thing. I don't know why we thought about that. Like, bathrooms should not be near the living room, especially when you have social gatherings. Like, what do you expect goes through people? You actually have to, like, think through, should I go to the bathroom, yes or no? That goes through my head, because what's about to go down in there? I don't know if I need people, not my business, you know? And so, to make matters worse, now, we've modernized toilets, you know? So uh, not only do I have to think through, like, should I go? So then I decide I should go. And then now you walk into a bathroom with fancy toilets. I'm just complaining here, okay? Uh, fancy toilets, and they've got the one drop or the two drop. Now, depending on which one you click, people will be able to determine what went down. You know, so if I click the one drop, like... Okay, so what if I, like, click the one drop, but, like, number two happened, but, like, what if one job doesn't take care of number two? It's so like, do I do one job twice? Then people know that stuff went down. But if I click the two drop, it's just too much for me. Keep Twilight simple, please, please. <laughs> but when I hear that sound, I know, right? I know what's about to happen, I know what it means. And with the same level of accuracy, when we hear God's voice, the Bible, the Bible says that we know, right? we know that it's God's voice. With the same level of accuracy as we hear when our appliances are, you know, kind of giving us signals, different sounds, when God speaks, we know. And according to the Bible, Jesus says, not only do we know we have within us the ability to go as far as distinguish between which voice is speaking, and we can really kind of separate the faulty voice and the true voice, and he says, my followers have the ability to accurately know who is speaking. And so, if you could, Uh, get ready to turn to John chapter 10 in your Bibles or get there um, where we see kind of that dialogue with Jesus. But I want to just quickly address something because the challenge that I find with that is this. It's that I know that God speaks right? We've just gone through two amazing series. We had Pastor Todd do a great sermon, Pastor Peter. I know that God speaks. And the challenge that I found as a believer and as I've grown in my faith isn't so much is God speaking, but it's when he speaks, how do I know which voice it is in my head, right? Have you gone through that when like God speaks and like, is this my thoughts or is this God? You know, is this my emotions or is this God? Are these my feelings or is this God? Is this just bad dinner or is this God? Is this this amazing book that I read, you know, that sounds good, sounds like God? Or is it really the voice of God that I'm hearing within me, that I'm hearing in my head? And I have often found that I sometimes face this challenge where I have to go, how do I know if it's God's voice? Because the Bible says that I can recognize when it is God's voice, but I often find myself going, Do I really know? How can I confirm? Where is that certainty? How do I really know that it's God's voice? How do I recognize that it's God's voice and not my voice that's speaking? And we're gonna unpack that today. And so John chapter 10, verse six to 16, and so in this passage, uh, we have Jesus responding back to ph- Pharisees. And essentially what's gone down is they have been really unkind to this man that Jesus just finished healing. They are just upset that Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath. And they're like, who are you? Classic, you know, Pharisees in the Bible, just not kind people. <laughs> and Jesus is like, wait a minute, like you are supposed to be shepherds to this flock here on earth. And what I'm seeing right now is that you are not what I thought you'd be. I am here because I am the good shepherd. I am the one above all shepherds because look at how I am loving and kind and willing to take care of this particular man, right? Such so, such so that because of that, my people and those who come behind me will be able to recognize who I am. They'll be able to see me as their good shepherd. And so we've got this uh, illustration that Jesus is using and he uses um, the illustration of a shepherd and sheep, right? And so he's using that illustration to basically give us an understanding of who he really is and his role in this passage, right? And so this is where we find ourselves. It says, uh, verse six, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd." How do I know that the voice I'm hearing is God's voice? So I wanted to take a few points, just actually three points from this text And I wanted to walk us through to help us understand um, how we can just take from scripture some guiding points, right, that can lead us to confidently know that the voice we are hearing is God's voice, okay? So, point number one. We are prepared. God prepares us to hear his voice. God prepares us to hear his voice. In verse nine, it says, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved so I wanted to share a quick little note about sheep pens and shepherds. So there is, uh, in pasture lands for sheep, pens were made out of one entrance, right? And with only one entrance, sorry. When pens are made, they only had one entrance and at the door of that sheep pen, that's where the shepherd would lay himself and he would be that doorway for the sheep. And so his body would go across the entrance and keep the sheep you know, in and keep the wolves out making him that doorway, and so Jesus uses this illustration that I am the doorway, right? I am the way for what comes in and what goes out. So what does this mean? It means that if Jesus is present at all times, if the shepherd, let's go with the shepherd, if the shepherd is present at all times, right, that means the sheep grow familiar with the shepherd, And so they grow to know what the shepherd sounds like. They grow to know the sound of his voice. They grow to know how he touches them. They grow familiar with how he handles them, right? And not only that, um, they are in familiar territory because they're in, what, pasture. That's where they eat. That's where they sleep. That's where they, you know, play around. I'm not too sure what sheep do, but everything that sheep do takes place in good pasture, right? But that's where their life happens. And so Jesus is saying, I, or the word, sorry, is I prepare you in familiar territory, right? Where you eat, where you, where you drink, where I take care of you, that is where you grow familiar with my voice. And so Jesus prepares us, right, to hear his voice. Number two, God speaks, when God speaks, his word promotes life. His word promotes life. Verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. The purpose is to give, my purpose, sorry, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When God speaks to us, he brings a word that bears life. Right? He brings a word that Pastor Peter said last week that bears fruit. Right? And so, when we hear a voice in our head, and we're going, man, I don't know if this is God, we can have confidence that, man, this actually most likely would be God because this word bears life. And to go deeper into that, um, a great simple distinction is this. Is this life-giving or is this leading me towards death or destruction, right? Is this drawing me away from things of life? Is this drawing me away from things of hope, right, things that are life-giving, hope, grace, right, mercy, all of those things are life-giving, right, things that line up with, we went through our series, the fruit of the spirit, right, all of those things, is drawing me to love, patience, or it drawing me away from these things, right, and that is how I know that when God speaks, his word promotes life, because it draws me, right, to things of life, to things that bear witness to the good news, right, life and life abundantly, life and life abundantly, when I hear God speaking, can I bring this word into accordance to the good news of God? And does it come out bearing fruit, right? So that is how I know that God speaks. That's how we can tell that it is God speaking because his word promotes life. Now verse 16, when God speaks, his word postures us. His word postures us. It says, I am, in verse 14, um sorry verse 14 says I am the good shepherd I know my own sheep and they know me I know my own sheep and then they know me when God speaks his word positions us in a place where we have to look to God where we have to acknowledge him as the one who is ahead of the flock, as the one who is greater than all other shepherds, all other voices, right? As the one who is at the head of my life, as the one who is sovereign, as one who is above, it positions me to elevate, elevate God in my life. His word postures us so that we are in a position where we need more of God where we are in a position where the answer is God and not us. All right? Okay. So we are going to take these three points, and we're going to look at another passage in Scripture, and we're going to see how these three points play out. We're going to see how we can take these points, right, and how uh, in a conversation that God has with Elijah, if you want to get ready, it's going to be First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19 we're going to see how God speaks to Elijah and how we can confidently see that it is the word of God that is speaking to him that it is God's voice that is speaking to him All right First Kings chapter 19 and we're going to start at verse 7 Are we there? Awesome. So it says then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or journey, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength for travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. I just wanted to pause here. So I want to give you a little bit of context of what's going on, right? So Elijah is running for his life. He is terrified. He is in a state of depression. And what's happened, just a few verses before, is there is Queen Jezebel wants his head Like she is like, I want your life, because Elijah has just done something that has just ticked her off. Elijah got word from God, did incredible signs and miracles with the intention and the hope that people would turn to God, right? And it was in a, it was under a nation that is governed by a king and queen that were sacrificing uh, to idols, where the worship of Baal was present, and there's just horrendous things that the people and the nation there is doing, and Elijah is sent there to do these incredible signs and wonders to prove that God is the only God and God is the way right and so he does these great things hoping that people would turn to God and nothing happens absolutely nothing happens he goes as far as to kill all the prophets right of Jezebel the ones who were worshiping Baal he kills them off and nothing happens nothing changes, and things just get worse for him. Jezebel is like, I want to kill you because you've just interfered with my plans," and so Elijah is running for his life. And he finds himself in this place where we just read, needing God's intervention, right? He is fearful, he is depressed, and God responds by sending an angel, giving him food, giving him something to drink, and giving him an assignment. Go to Mount Sinai. And when he gets there, it says, let's carry on, verse 10. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing, Elijah? And he replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me. Then the Lord told them, Told him, go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu grandson of Nimshi to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat to be at the town of abel mela to to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And those who escaped Jehu would be killed by Elisha. Yet I preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So let's take this dialogue and let's see how we can use those three points to confidently identify that it is the voice of God that is speaking to Elijah, right? Number one, God prepares him to hear his voice. What does God do? God provides him with a familiar presence. Elijah knows his God. He knows that God is gentle. He knows that God, uh, when he shows up, there is a kindness, right, uh, about him and God. It says, the angel of the Lord touches Elijah. It is a familiar touch, right? Elijah knows his God really well. He is touched by familiar hands, a familiar presence. And then what happens? He is fed. He is fed by that familiar, right, that familiar figure. God, he is fed by God. God gives him something to drink. He's like, before I can even give you a word, I need to prepare you because you're in the wrong state of mind. You are hungry, you are scared, you're depressed. I gotta get you right before I can give you a word. And then, here's something really cool. So oftentimes, if you have heard the story or you grew up listening to it, you know that we sort of contrast, you know, the the wind and the fire um, and the earthquake to that still small voice. I think there's something even more significant about all this. God does speak through wind, he does speak through earthquakes, he does speak through fire, he's done it. We have examples of that. But God calls Elijah to Mount Sinai, a place where Elijah is familiar with. Familiar with what? It is a place where God speaks. Why? Because if we go back in scripture, we see that that is where God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, and so when he calls Elijah out, come to this familiar place where I speak, Elijah knows that this is where God will speak. It is a familiar place. Isn't that cool? It is a familiar territory. Familiar territory. God prepares Elijah. He places him in an environment that he is aware with. He places, he surrounds him with gestures that he's familiar with, and he presents his presence that is a familiar presence that he knows well, right? One of God. What prepares him to hear the voice of God? When God's word shows up, it promotes life. Verse 15 says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram and then anoint Jehu grandson of Nimshi, right? And then what does he say? And then anoint Elisha. What does that indicate? When Elisha when Elijah goes before God, his perspective is that everything ends with him. His perspective is that the plan is over. The plan failed. It's dead. This is the end. And God points him through his word and says, no, it keeps going my plan is greater, my plan is not over, there is continuation in this plan, it keeps going, there is life, it doesn't end with you, it keeps going, his word points him to life, it points him to hope, it points him, right, it points him to God's great plan, right, When God's word comes to us, it promotes us, right? It promotes life. It points us to see that there is life, that there is life in God's words. Not death, not destruction, not doom, not gloom, but life. And God says, here's my word, and this word, when I bring it into alignment, to the good news, it bears fruit. It bears fruit, right? So it keeps going. There is life here. It doesn't end here. And then, number three, God postures Elijah. God postures Elijah with his word. Verse 18, it says, um, verse 18, sorry, not verse 18. It says in verse 10 and 14, let's look at, let's look at the posture of Elijah before, he, um, before God corrects him. And it says, "I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too." The posture that Elijah has in that moment is, "I am the answer." In his answer, he is the hero of this story. Do you see that? I have zealously served the Lord, right? I am the only one left. He sees himself as the answer in this story. And look at how God responds. And this is verse 18. Yet I, I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Yet I, Elijah, I am God. I am greater than you. I didn't just preserve one or two or three or four or ten prophets. I preserved 7,000 prophets who have not bowed down to Baal yet. I am greater. I am the answer. When God's word comes to Elijah, it postures him to see that God is the way, that God is is in control, that God is the good shepherd, right? He is the answer, he is the hero of this story. Not Elijah, not his efforts, not his abilities, but God. And so Elijah is humbled. When God's word comes to us, it postures us to elevate God, to see that he is the one who is the answer. He is the one who's at the head, right? He is the one who is the good shepherd, right? And so, let's see how this plays out in our own lives. I'm going to use a few different examples in my life to help us understand this, but when God's word is sent to us, we are prepared, right? He prepares us to receive it. And one of the ways that we can confidently know that this is the word of God is this. God oftentimes speaks in familiar territory, We have just spent two Sundays, right, before this one, Sunday number one, number two, knowing that God speaks. And in both sermons, two things stood out, that daily devotion is important, that spending time, Pastor Todd said, find time, right, to spend in God's favorite place, which just so happens to be also your favorite place. Pastor Peter said, the word of God, God is constantly communicating us in his word, that is familiar territory, Jesus is the word, so if Jesus is the word, familiar territory for us is Jesus, right? And so when we spend time in God's word, when we spend time getting to know his character, know his nature, understand how he works, familiarize ourselves with his presence, his touch, we are prepared when he sends his word to know and distinguish that it is God's voice that is speaking. Amen. I want to give you an example of how this plays out, and how this recently played out in my life. A few months ago, I uh, was desperately needing to hear from God about an area in my life, and uh, and actually it was just over just overwhelming me. And I went before the Lord and I prayed, and God spoke and said, "I love you." And I was like, "That's awesome." Now I need an answer for this. So I kept praying, and I was like, "Lord, I just I'm seeking you. I am here. I need you to speak to me." And He would speak and would say, "I love you." And I was like. Awesome, I love you too, but I need an answer for this scenario. So God, here I am. I am praying before you. I am asking you to just please make yourself clear, make yourself loud. And he said, I love you. And I was like, okay, are we going to do this? I love you too. I need an answer. Please, God. And so first Sunday came and during time of worship, and I heard perfect love cast out fear. And you know what he was doing? Drawing me back into his love. Because the state of being that I was in was outside of familiar territory. I was fearful, right? I was so afraid that even if he tried to speak to me, I wouldn't be able to receive or recognize whether it's him or not because I'm so focused and so overcome by this one thing. And he's like, come back to my love. I love you. I love you. Familiar territory for us as believers is the love of God. The Bible says that when we remain in God, he remains in us. And what is there? His love remains in us. We are familiarized in his love. That is where God speaks, in his love. In his love. And we need to continue to grow familiar with the love of God. God prepares us to hear his voice by familiarizing us with what his voice sounds like through his word, through daily devotion, and certainly by remaining in his love. Number two, God's word promotes life. And for this particular area, I have a simple thing that I just began to do. When God speaks to me, I just ask myself this one question Is it life bearing? Is it life bearing? When I bring this word in in accordance to the word of God, right, and I bring this and I line it up with God's word, I go, does this word, does it line up with the good news? Does it line up with the good news of Christ? Does it bear fruit? Because if it doesn't, it's not from God. Even when God corrects us, it bears life. There are many times in scripture where God brings word of judgment, right? And he's like, it's harsh and it feels hard. And it's like, man, he just has to speak over this nation and bring correction. Even then, even then his word brings life, there's a way out. But if my people would, life-bearing, but if my people would pray, if my people would humble themselves, if my people would turn away, this would not happen, life-bearing. Even in correction, God's word bears life. Does this word bear life? That's my simple question. And if it does, I'm closer to fully knowing that it is God who's speaking. And then last point. When God stands his word, he postures me. He postures me. And I'll get our piano player to come up. He puts me in a position where I have to place my dependency on Him. And I'll give you one example of how this has played out in my life. Recently, I was, um, uh, over the last six months, actually, I've gone through so many changes. And so I've been going before God, and I'm like, God, I just, man, I just need you to like just speak to this. There's a lot of things that are not working out, and I'm just not seeing the answer. And, and I kind of just kind of took a, a pause on like really spending time with God about this one area, and I just began to just complain about it. You know, so I went to my sister, and I was like, I don't understand what God is doing here. Like, there's yada, yada, yada. There's this and this. And I gave her a list, and she looked at me and said, I just think you need to pray. And I was like, you know what? That's a good point. (laughs) I need to go back to what? Familiar territory. Right? And God spoke to me. And he says, and this is what he told me. He said, everything I begin, I finish. Right? Everything that I do, I bring to completion. And I looked at that and I went, that can't be me. (laughs) Because I did not have the capability to think of that. Because what I was thinking about was not life-bearing. But number two, it forced me to be in a position to depend on God. It meant that my posture now, uh, now I had to elevate God. Because if he's the one that is bringing it to completion, that makes him the good shepherd. That means that his plan is perfect. That means that the answer lies within him. When God speaks to us, he will posture us with his word. It will force us in all of his answers to place our dependency back on a God who is ahead of us, a God who has a greater plan, a God who knows it all, a God who is in control, a God who is our good shepherd. It also points us to see the goodness of God, the goodness of God, right? When God speaks to us, he postures us And that's when I know that is God, that's his word. It comes in familiar territory, right? It promotes life, it bears fruit, and it postures me to see that God, you are Godhead. You are sovereign, and I am a follower. I am sheep, right? I am a part of a flock. You are the good shepherd. You are the one that is above all other shepherds. You are the one whose voice is greater above all other voices. And therefore, I will yield to that voice. Therefore, I know that this is you who was speaking to me and I can identify you as the one who was speaking. And I can certainly confidently rest in that. That That is how we can begin to look at our lives assess the times when God has spoken and go could this be God could this be God and I want to encourage us this week to go back uh, in our God's favorite place like Pastor Todd shared go back to familiar places spend time in his word spend time in his love go back to those moments and then just go God speak and when he does speak ask is this life bearing when he does speak What posture do you have then? Do you see him as Godhead? Do you see him as the good shepherd? Do you see him as the one who is in control? Do you see him as the hero of your story? Do you see him as the one who bears the answer? And if it passes the test, then that is God's voice. That is God's voice. And that's how you can confidently recognize the voice of God for your life. And so I just wanna pray for us this morning. I wanna pray for two people, two groups of people, sorry. Um, I wanna pray for those of us who are here and it's week three of hearing from God. And you're sitting in the audience and you're going, man, I know that God speaks, but I haven't heard his voice yet. And I wanna hear him for myself. I want to pray for you. Because if that is you, it is important that you know the voice of your father. It is important that you know how he sounds like. It is important that you begin to familiarize yourself with the voice of God, because he is the one who guides you. He is the one who leads you. And so we, um, we need to be in a place where we are constantly in communication with God, hearing from him, right? And so if that is you, please uh, place your hand up and I'd love to pray for you. Awesome, that's so good. God, thank you that you are so faithful God, thank you that you love us so much. God, thank you that we find ourselves in this space, familiar territory, the body of Christ, your home, a place of worship. And God, thank you that in this moment, you want to speak. And not only do you want to, you are speaking. So God, I just pray for those of us who put our hands up, that Heavenly Father, dear God, right now, you would just begin to prepare us to receive that word. That, Heavenly Father, dear God, you would melt away all fear. That, Heavenly Father, dear God, you would uh, um, put aside, Heavenly Father, all anxiety. That, God, we know from your word that you are that good shepherd that sits in the doorway, that decides what comes in and what comes out. Oh, Lord, that you would make way for your word this morning, for your word to permeate their hearts, their minds, their lives, and that they may hear from their Heavenly Father. We thank you God that you are faithful and we thank you that it is happening right now. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. And I want to pray for us this morning for um, another group of people, for those of us who don't know that you can have a relationship with the good shepherd. The Bible says that Jesus, um, as the shepherd in this illustration, he says he goes out and he's constantly bringing more into his flock, more people. And when he brings them in, they recognize his voice. And that's still happening today. Jesus is at work. He is still going after our lives. For those of us who are feeling lost or distant, or you feel like you don't know God, God wants you and wants to grab a hold of you and wants to bring you into his, to be part of his flock, into his sheep pen. He wants you to be a part of his followers. Those who know him, he wants to transform you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to give you new life. So if that is you and you want a relationship with the Good Shepherd, I would like for you to put your hand up and I'd love to pray for you. That's awesome. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so faithful and that you are so good. And God, thank you that you see the hands that went up this morning. God, we thank you that by faith they are saved. Lord, we just pray right now that you would send word. Lord, show them very clearly, Heavenly Father, dear God, that their old self, Heavenly Father, is gone. Lord, lead them, Heavenly Father, by your love to repentance, that they may turn to you, God, this morning. Turn to you and, and, and receive all of you. Receive the good shepherd in their lives. Receive the one who transforms. Receive the one who makes us new. Receive the one who gives us life and life in abundance. And we thank you, God, that you are faithful. And so, God, we bless them. Lord, we are excited for them. We welcome them into the family. And we praise you, God, for you are faithful. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, church, we can recognize God's voice. God is faithful. God prepares us. God, when he sends his word, it promotes life. And God postures us to see that he is good. Amen? And so take this with you this week and be very blessed. Um, We are going to take just a few moments, um, about two, three minutes, and we are going to have our prayer team come up. If you could just uh, stay in your seats. We really value prayer and we would love for people who need prayer to be able to receive it. And so if the prayer team could come up and uh, we're just going to take two, three minutes and then we will end our service, okay? And so if you need prayer, sorry, please do come up. We would love to pray with you for anything, any need. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you need belief for something. Maybe you're like, man, I'm hearing God and I just wanna know one more time, is it God? You know, we would love to pray with you.